for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! What is going on guys? Welcome into the Blitz Podcast, and we are finally here the number one team in our power rankings is the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, there's a little bit of a debate between them and KC for that number one spot, but it ends up being Philadelphia here. And we do have a friend of the pod, uh, specifically a friend of Mitchell. So shout out to plugging him up for that. Uh, Trevor Goodwin here, a big Eagles fan, very well versed was the term that uh, he told me and Mitchell told me about uh, the Eagles or him for the Eagles here. So Trevor, how are we doing? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Uh, made the right decision in, in having the Eagles ranked number one. So uh, excited to talk about them, man. Yeah, and it's you know it's pretty easy to come in here and uh, talk you know about all these great position groups. You're not you don't have to be pessimistic about anything here. You can just be excited throughout the entire thing. You don't have to be sad. You know we we started off with a guest at 32, and it was all doom and gloom for him, and now <laughs> you get to come in here and. Uh, be a lot happier than that. So we're going to roll right into it and start with the quarterback position. We have them coming in at number five, and that is Jalen Hurts, obviously, uh, has taken a lot of steps uh, throughout the course of his career, really took a, the biggest step last season, uh, was a guy that was kind of like, I wouldn't say a fringe starter, but was definitely in that tier where you were a little worried about him starting uh, moving forward in one, two, three years in the future, even Philadelphia moved a first round pick essentially from last year's draft into this year's draft in the event that Jalen Hurts just simply wasn't the guy for them and they needed to go get a quarterback and everything ended up working out. Jalen Hurts put together an MVP caliber season. I do think he got a little robbed. I understand why they did do it because, you know, he did miss the last four games, but the Mahomes MVP just kind of felt like, okay, well, the, the leader got hurt. We're going to pass it on to the second place guy. Um, I think he should have won MVP personally, but he also gets the big deal here. Uh, $52 million was the, or $52 million a year, five years, was the highest paid player in the NFL for at least a couple days. So good for him on that. But um, I'm going to just pass it over to you. Just go ahead and talk positively about Jalen Hurts. Yes, very, very easy thing to do. Um, yeah, yeah, we definitely hedged our bets on him last year, wanted, wanted to give him a chance. And um, I mean, I think he exceeded even even my wildest expectations. Just he's an amazing quarterback, an amazing leader, um, has continued to improve from, you know, that very embarrassing like moment back even in college when he got benched halfway through the national championship game for Tua. Um, has continued to steadily learn from his mistakes, get better every year. And um, I'm just so, so, so excited to to have him under center this year and show us if, if he's even got another step for us. Yeah, and I, I think that's a real possibility. Like you even go back to his college days, every single year in college, PFF grade improved, his passing stats improved, obviously, you know, just generally he improved, started in a 74, his freshman year goes up 84, 85, 91, and then he comes into the NFL, starting out 
pretty much at the bottom, you know, 56 in his limited stats <laughs> or limited snaps in year one, year two jumps up to an 80 and last year was up to an 85. So there is a world where there's another level to Jalen Hurts game here. Now I did get some, like there were some comments in some of the other posts saying, you know, is, do y'all really have Jalen Hurts in front of Lamar? Do y'all really have Jalen Hurts in front of Aaron Rodgers? And what would be your argument to that? Um, yeah, I think the it, it's well for the specific two examples you got for that. It's it's different arguments because for the Rodgers, you can argue the the dynamicism in in his running game, but then I'd argue you know even as a fan, Lamar's the best rushing quarterback I've ever seen. Um, so I'm not I'm not going to argue. Jalen over that but um, I I think there's got to be a little bit of recency bias for how good of a season Jalen had that you have to like rank him that high but you, you can't argue the, the body of work he put together the the efficiency he had I mean we didn't he didn't have fourth quarters last year we were just blowing teams out he'd done all the work already and all we had to do was hand it off to our stable of running backs and and salt the game away so um, there's, you just, I don't think you can argue against what he's done last year. There's certain quarterbacks that have, have done it for longer, have done it maybe to, uh, better, better passing, better arm. If, if you want to argue that for like the Mahomes, Allen, Herbert type of tier. Um, but I, he's, he's right there. I mean, as you said, he should have was the MVP front runner. So, uh, Rodgers didn't do that last year. Lamar didn't do that last year. Um, he should be right in that in that conversation for sure. Yeah, and I think one of the main reasons why there's some blowback to having Jalen Hurts this high is the supporting cast around him. You know, he had one of the best defenses uh, in the NFL last year, if not the best defense. He had one of the best offensive lines, one of the best groups of playmakers that, you know, these guys like Lamar – uh, Aaron Rodgers, even guys in front of him like Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, I mean, even like Josh Allen, like this Eagles team, as we talk, we'll talk about here shortly, there's, they're number one for a reason. They're a very well-rounded team. In fact, among the players, like the groups of players, uh, Jalen Hurts at fifth is the lowest ranking group for the entire Eagles team. So you know, <laughs> that's them being fifth at quarterback is about as bad as it gets uh, players-wise for this roster. So We'll just jump right into the playmakers that he had here, who we do have cracking the top three. Uh, they get in at third here, and it's going to start with their big acquisition from last offseason with A.J. Brown. Uh, I think kind of exceeded the expectations for sure uh, of what he was going to be. You know, he was a really good player in Tennessee, but he took another step up in Philadelphia, and I think that also helps Jalen Hurts take that step up. You know, we've seen these guys take a step like Tua, for example, when he gets a Tyreek Hill Um just take that next step when he gets that number one wide receiver. We see Chicago doing that now, getting a DJ Moore to try and help develop uh, Justin Fields in the same way that, you know, maybe if Justin Fields makes that Jalen Hurts level leap with DJ Moore, we'll even see that even more than we have so far. Uh, you also got Devontae Smith here as well. It's been very good, probably one of the two or three best number twos in the NFL uh, then you got really a stable in the running back room. You got DeAndre Swift here. Uh, you do have Kenny Gainwell as well, Rashad Penny. And then I'll just obviously Dallas Goddard here, guy fringe top five-ish tight end in the NFL. But I want to swing back to running back real quick. You know, this is a room with a lot of names in it, a lot of guys here. Who do you think ends up winning this starting job? I think it's I, – I do think for right now the fantasy community has it right. 
is going to be Swift, who's going to get the majority of the touches. Um, I I have like soured a little bit on Rashad Penny over the past couple weeks. I I, I thought he was the guy early this season. I thought he was going to be the one to lead this backfield. But um, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I hear out of uh, what camp has been, the camp reports have been telling us is uh, it's going to be swift. And I, I honestly think it might be Gainwell second. Um, and Penny's just going to be our, our big bruiser up the gut because, I mean, Hurts kind of is that already. So we, we don't necessarily need that on – a uh, on a high touch level, but obviously Penny's been. I mean, it's such a good problem to have. They're all they're all amazing. They all have their own individual skill sets that that complement one another, and we have a, a complete backfield with them all together. Um, but like I said, I think Swift is going to be number one, and um, but as a number one, you know, fifteen touches max per game. It's not like we're going to have a true workhorse. Yeah, and that's going to be the case for Philly. Is just like like. Me personally, for fantasy, I'm not touching any one of these guys because no. it is going to be, you know, it's going to be Swift, it's going to be Gainwell, it's going to be Penny, it's even going to be Boston Scott some weeks. And even if they have nice weeks, you know, they get some big runs and stuff, the goal line stuff's going to Jalen Hurts. So they're not going to get those, you know, free six points uh, from those one yard line because that's all going to Jalen Hurts. Uh, and that's kind of what scares me. There is like a little thing going on right now. Do you think there's anything to the Jonathan Taylor rumors? Do you think that that's going to happen? Or do you think it's just everybody being so scared of it happening that it's getting talked up a little bit more than it should be? Yeah, I don't think it's actually going to happen. You know, our our front office, Howie Roseman, is not afraid to make a move. So he's going to call about every potential superstar that's on the market. And I think those are where the reports are coming from. But uh, we we have a full stable of running backs, as I said, and we're one of the uh, more analytically driven front offices that doesn't necessarily value the running back. So if it's, you know, I think in Taylor's case, he wants to get a contract on top of being traded, and we just let Miles Sanders go after he rushed for almost 1,300 yards last year. We're not we're not about paying the running backs. So it, it, it made me uh, made me very excited to think about him next to Hurts in our backfield behind our line, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't see it either, especially considering, you know, the Colts are asking for a one for Jonathan Taylor. I can't see Howie Roseman giving a one for Jonathan Taylor, especially, you know, with the contract that's going to come after that. He's talking about getting paid at the top of the market here. And Philly produced a very good running game out of Miles Sanders, who is nowhere near the level of player that Jonathan Taylor is. And I think they'll be able to produce another really good running game with a combination of Swift, Gainwell, Penny, Boston Scott. Hell, Trey Sermon might get some snaps in there too. Um, So I, I just, I don't see that happening. Um, and then just go over to the wide receivers. I mean, this is one of the best one-twos. You got, you know, the Dolphins with Tyreek and Waddle. You have the Bengals with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Where do you rank the A.J. Brown-Devontae Smith pairing as far as one-twos in the NFL? It's it's one. What do, what do you expect wow. me to say? Okay. I, um, I, I think it's probably the best complement of the one-twos because I think there's there's a definite tier of three at the top and maybe maybe two after that that you could argue in there. And um, Chase and Higgins, Hill and Waddle, and then the two sort of on the fringe, in my opinion, uh, DK and Tyler Lockett in Seattle, and then Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those three at the top, you know, Hill and Waddle are – 
I mean, they're they're amazing electric players. I'm not like taking away from these other guys, but when you think about the nitty gritty like points at the top, you know, they're they're similar skill sets. They're smaller. They're um, fast, very very fast. Can't deny that. And for uh, Jamar Chase and T Higgins, I Jamar Chase is probably the second best receiver in the NFL right now. I don't like he can do everything, but Higgins is really just a contested catch, jump ball. Like I don't think he could be a true one. And I think even despite his size, Devonta Smith could be a true one anywhere he goes. But we get to use him specially because we have the epitome of an X receiver in the giant, hulking, strong, fast, tall, big A.J. Brown. And, um, you know, we get the best of both worlds. We get that big contested catch down the sideline. And we get that crafty route runner, um, shifty type skinny Batman in, in Devonta Smith. So I, I just think the compliments... Uh, work the best in our in our receiver core. Yeah, I will, I will definitely give you that. I think of those two, I think AJ complements Devonte more than those other. Like those two complement each other better than the other two uh, pairings that we named. For my money, it's Tyreek and Waddle. Like the things that you said about him being a one, I think Waddle's a one for ten or twelve, maybe more than that. Teams in the NFL, I think Waddle's a really yeah. special player, and obviously, I think Tyreek is towards the top of the league. Uh, as well where do you put AJ Brown just as a receiver because I think he's firmly in it so you got JJ Jamar Tyreek Adams Diggs Cup I don't think he's in front of any of those guys and then I think he's like in a tier with I don't I don't even know who I'd put in that um DK maybe I honestly I'd put Waddle in that tier as well like do you think that that's fair yeah yeah I I was gonna say somewhere in the the six to ten range um because i I, you you can't argue those five or six that you listed off the dome um those are those are clearly the best receivers in the nfl but i think aj's right right after him like right there in uh in sort of that next tier as you said um yeah yeah i agree and i didn't even realize that uh fast batman quez watkins is getting moved down to the bench here i didn't realize that uh olamid i didn't even realize olamid zakias got signed there much less in the starting slot role so yeah, we watched uh, we watched Quez drop a potential like game winning catch in the Super Bowl. We're like, nah, 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 nah dude. You're, Fair enough. Go, go sit down. Go sit down. <laughs> yeah, and then you and you go get. Oh no, that I was about to say was that the guy that Tom Brady called and said that we need this guy, but that was Russell Gage, different uh, yeah. Falcons receiver that they brought over. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the offensive line here, which we do have ranked. At number one overall, uh, you have arguably the best pair of tackles in the NFL in Jordan Mailata and Lane Johnson. I don't even know if it is arguable. You do still have, at this age, a guy that's playing like one of the better centers in the NFL in Jason Kelsey. And then you have Landon Dickerson and Cam Jurgens manning the guard spots. Landon Dickerson gets a Pro Bowl selection last year. Um, I mean, there's not much else to say. This is this is the best offensive line in the NFL. I don't really know if there's any other group that you can argue with how well-rounded they are, especially with the scheme being able to not not protect them, but just really make them better. Um, and, you know, the guard spots are probably the weakest spots, but, the you know, having those tackles and having a guy like Jason Kelsey on the inside there really helps lift them up. I mean, they lose a guy like Isaac Sayamalo to Pittsburgh and still – going to be number one here because they invest in this offensive line you know they missed on an Andre Dillard in the first round but they get a Jordan Maialata in the sixth or seventh round a few years later and he ends up being their franchise tackle so this just goes to show that investing in your offensive line you know Cam Jurgens was a guy that was supposed to be a center uh, and was supposed to be the contingency plan the replacement for Jason Kelsey they slide him into guard here he's 
probably going to be a pretty solid starter in Philly. He might even make a pro bowl because of it. Um, but this goes to show, man, if you just keep investing in the offensive line, things are going to work out for you. But uh, what are your what are your thoughts overall on this offensive line? Yeah, it's, it's inarguable to, to have this. This is our best unit, in my opinion, um, best unit in the league, according to PFF, according to y'all. It's This is this is the cream of the crop. Um, and I just want to point out that Landon Dickerson was actually also drafted to uh, be a Kelsey replacement. So yeah, he's now right. starting right. on a line with both of his replacements next to him, uh, which I think is pretty cool. He just... He just keeps coming back for more, yeah. and uh, you gotta love him for that. I I can't say anything more than you said about it, though. It's by far the best. It is the strength of our team. It is where we have developed and drafted, and um, it's it's a point of emphasis in Philly, and uh, we have we have the spoils to show for it. Yeah, and I mean, like a lot of people forget that I believe it was after last offseason, Brandon Brooks, who was one of the top guards in the NFL, just retired and he was like all right yep. uh, you know i think he was like 30 31 maybe may it may have been a little bit older than that but not much older not like retirement age um i tore his achilles oh yeah that 30, is I right so, yeah. yeah okay i guess that's fair but like if he came back young, yeah if, if he came back i mean this could be i mean you can't go higher than one but we could be talking about this group a lot more positively you know if he's playing close to the sim close to a level that he was playing at before he got hurt um are you worried about the guard spots with Jurgens? I mean, Dickerson was a Pro Bowl last year, but do you think that that might be a problem for? I'm just trying to find things to talk about here. I mean, it's we have them at number one. We got to pick at something. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think it's it's the only question mark that we can talk about here. But I I have no worries. Um, if if he doesn't, then I believe is it is it Jack Driscoll that we have? No. Yeah, yeah, he's maybe. so he's the backup tackle, but you did draft. Uh, I know you got Tyler Steen. Uh, Tyler Steen, I was going to mention as well. As well. Yeah, so we we have options, but um, from again, what I've heard from camp is Jurgens has walked in, been handed the, the keys to the starting job, and he has never made them question it. So I, I have full confidence in our coaches and our development and the guys that he's going to be surrounded by. I mean, he's on. He's in between Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey. He's going to be just fine. Yeah. And then Lane Johnson. But, I mean, obviously you do – again, we're just trying to find things to talk about here. Lane Johnson and Jason yeah. Kelsey also getting up there in age, so they're going to be looking for yeah. – you know, some plan, some backup plans there, but they have had no problem doing that recently um, with, like, these guard spots um, that were supposed to be contingency plans for Kelsey. They end up being starting level players. I mean, Sayamalu, like, I didn't realize how good he was. Obviously, I'm a Steelers fan, so I've been doing a little bit more research into him. I didn't realize how good he was um, for Philly and that we're getting, like, that good of a guy. And, like, a lot of people were saying how underrated of a signing it was, so – pretty happy to get an Eagles offensive lineman considering how good they've been recently. So could be a lot worse, but let's move on to the front seven, which is another group that they heavily, heavily, heavily invest in. Uh, as we've seen the last two years, they've taken a defensive tackle in the first round, despite, you know, you could have made an argument before they drafted Jalen Carter, that this is the number one front seven in the NFL. They have a run eight or nine deep. Uh, as far as pass rushers go, you got Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat as your like edges, uh, technically. Derek Barnett backing up Josh Sweat there, but then on the interior you have two monsters, uh, Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, and you got Fletcher Cox. Who, if I'm not mistaken, like 
I don't know if it was last year or this year, but was going to be like a cut for them or was going to be going to retire or something like that and ended up coming back. Was that last year or this year? That was last year. Yeah, he's been like contemplating retirement the last two years, I want to say. But um, yeah, before the start of last year, we we legit cut him for a couple days mm. and just like to get rid of the money, get rid of all the dead, you know, funny money years that we put on the end and like just get him on a fresh contract. He, he took a pay cut. He came back and he did the same a little less dramatically this year we just signed into a one-year deal for for less money than i think he could have gotten so he he wants to be here um he is uh yeah sort of the the vet that those uh those georgia guys can look up to and and yeah i mean it's it's a perfect situation there for us at d tackle yeah and then like we talked about with the offensive line they always are drafting contingency plans there you know jalen carter is going to start here but like they run a rotation anyway. So a lot, all these guys are going to see the field. Another like really underrated player. I think Milton Williams is a very good player. He doesn't get to see the field a whole lot. They do lose Javon Hargrave, uh, who former Steeler, uh, was one of the best pass rushing interior guys in the NFL last year. He goes to San Francisco. Um, they have Hassan Reddick and another one of the Bulldogs here in Nolan Smith that they get at the end of the first round. A guy that got super hyped up, like his draft stock got pumped all the way up to the, everybody Thought he was going to go in the mid-first round. He ends up falling all the way down to Philly because why not? Um, let's talk about Jalen Carter, though. He was there at nine. I hate the NFL uh, for letting him fall. I understand the off-the-field stuff, but he fell to nine. And the main thing that I like, I get, like I, every other team in front of him probably made a mistake or in front of the Eagles probably made a mistake. Chicago made one of the biggest mistakes that I can remember, especially if he pans out, they traded a fourth round pick when they need a pass. Like, can you name a pass rusher that plays for the Bears right now? I no. Okay. No, I, so, <laughs> so that was a big need for them. They trade back uh, for a fourth round pick, and they draft Darnell Wright, who was a guy I had him as a fringe first round player. I did not like Darnell Wright, um, and they give up an opportunity to draft the best player arguably in this class uh let him go to philly so i mean i i don't even want to like are your thoughts good they have to be good right on jalen carter yeah that's sort of where i was going with uh talking about fletch and in his mentorship role um I, I mean it's it's just the perfect situation you know i understand he had that accident while he was at georgia and definitely some uh some trauma there some poor decisions there um but if you can walk in with uh someone who you describe as like your big brother in jordan davis and have a i don't know 14 year vet who's a, a legend in philadelphia and fletcher cox to to look up to to help you help you get adjusted to the nfl help uh get your mind right and everything like that it, it's just it, it's going perfectly really it has um i can't i can't point a uh like a flaw in, in our in our strategy surrounding Jalen Carter. So uh, yeah, he had that one like play that blew up against Ravens uh, in preseason, and that, I mean that's all I needed to see from him in in the Eagles jersey. I think he's going to be an absolute monster uh, once he gets on the field. Yeah, and like you talked about, like the big brother thing with Jordan Davis. You know, I've definitely heard those same words be said about Nolan Smith for him and George as well, who they end up drafting a little bit later in this year's class. And then I've also heard the same thing said about Nicobe Dean was a guy that was with him at Georgia. And is, I, you know, I 
wasn't in like I didn't think Nicobe Dean was a first round player. I definitely didn't think he was a third round player though. I think he should have gone a little bit before that when you guys got him. That was excellent value per usual for Philly. Um, yep. And the thing is, like I was a little worried about him as just his size and everything. And but now he's playing in front of the pretty much exact same line that he was playing in front of at Georgia, where he had so much success. You know, he was still one of the best linebackers in the country in college. It was just a matter of will that translate to the NFL and. I think that, you know, it's again, it's really hard to point out a flaw here. Uh, you do lose uh, TJ Edwards and Kaiser White, but then you've got Nick Moreau and Nicobe Dean coming in here. Also, you guys picked up Zach Cunningham as well, was, you know, put together a few good seasons in Tennessee or Houston. I know it's one of those yes. two. I think he was just at Tennessee. It might have been both, so. honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. And then for me, I personally had San Francisco – in front of Philly for the front seven. Now, I think while the depth is great, I think that the starters and the, you know, star power for San Francisco overpowers that. Do you think I'm crazy? I don't think you're crazy. I think you're wrong. Um, But it's, it's, it's hard to argue. Nick Bosa is a top three edge rusher and Hassan Reddick is probably top 10. You know, he's not too far behind, but there's still that, as you said, that star, that star power, and we go from having Javon Hargrave to now the Niners having Javon Hargrave. So it, it makes sense, um, but yeah, the the depth is inarguable, and we have some young players who maybe haven't quite proven themselves yet. Whereas the Niners are, you know, they're all they're all proven assets over there. So it, it's an understandable take for sure, um, and I am. I'm just the yeah. Back to Kobe Dean. Back to uh, a couple of the people you mentioned from Georgia. I'm just really, really, really so excited to see them play. Um, they sort of had you know, him and uh, uh, Jordan Davis specifically had redshirt seasons last year, and now they're going to be stepping in to fill some some big shoes. And uh, I think they're capable of it. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the thing with me is like it's really hard for me to rank a group number one when the big player that I have to put on the graphic is Hassan Reddick. Like, yeah, you know, like it just makes it a little bit difficult for me. Like I, I've never been team sacks last year. Didn't do yeah. it for you. I get it. He put up numbers. <laughs> I, I've, you know, He's playing with a pretty good group. I would say uh, helps him get there. Um, but yeah, I, I think who do you think is going to be better this year? Obviously, you know, one came in a little bit before, but who do you think is going to be better? Jordan Davis or Jalen Carter? Um, I think I still think it's going to be Jalen Carter. Everything that we heard from uh, even the scouting, the Georgia guys from last year's class was okay. But next year, mm-hmm. the best guy's coming out. Next year, Jalen Carter's coming out. Next year, he's the guy. And um, Jordan Davis is more of that like run stuffer, people eater in the middle. And Jalen Carter is going to be the flashier, pass rushing from the interior type of guy. So. Um, you know, I think he's going to put up the better, like more, more eye popping stats. And I just think he was the better player overall, though. I do love Jordan Davis, big, big old Jordan Davis. Yeah, this is, it's going to be such a scary group because like I said, they go nine deep for pass rushers, like, and they can keep these guys. Like, (laughs) that's one thing that like, I'm not worried about like Brandon Graham getting old or Fletcher Cox getting old because they can play 40% of the snaps in a given game and the Eagles aren't going to lose a step. They can keep them fresh. Keep them fresh. Yeah. They can play maybe another year or two more than they would have been like, you know, they might also be thinking about maybe hanging it up, but if they can keep playing, you know, they're running rotational snaps and stuff. 
they're going to stay fresh and they're going to be around a lot longer. So let's move on to the secondary again, another top three unit. Um, <laughs> and it is carried by this group of corners here, which I think is probably the best pair of corners in the NFL in Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Uh, then you got Avante Maddox playing slot corner. Uh, the safety spot is probably where you're the most worried, maybe even on this entire team uh, with uh, Reed Blankenship and Tara, Terrell Edmonds, who I've seen in Pittsburgh and, Good luck, because uh, I mean he's yeah. he's not gonna play he's not gonna play high like he's gonna probably play in the box he's gonna be a modified uh, linebacker for you, um, but it really is carried by these two corners here in Slay and James Bradbury where there was a point this offseason where it may neither of them may have came back uh, they looked like at one point they were gonna lose all three of their you know guys in the secondary with Slay Bradbury. And uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, they do lose him to Detroit on a one-year deal. Did you think, like, were you surprised that Howie didn't match that for uh, Chauncey? I was at first. I was like, what What the hell are we doing? I mean, he had, what, five interceptions last year, was an absolute dog as a tackler, even though he's a bit undersized. I mean, I, I personally love watching CGJ last year. And uh, then I saw some uh, some little comments that CGJ wasn't exactly a fan of Philly, which it hurt me a little bit because his personality matched a little, like really, really well um, in that shit talking sort of. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, he didn't really like it there, I guess. So I think we definitely did match it. And he was like, nah, I'm out of here, actually. And then he fumbled the bag and only got a one year deal. So. Good yeah. luck in uh, in Detroit. Wish you the best, but it, it, he didn't seem to like it there. Yeah, I definitely think the market did not materialize for him as well as he thought it was going to. Like he put together, for sure. he was he was one of the best slot corner slash safety type guys in the NFL last year, and I think he kind of thought that he was going to get like a fifteen million dollar a year plus deal. You know, especially more of a long term deal. Um, then he does end up taking the one year deal. I get the Philly mindset thing as a Sixers fan. Like I understand looking for those guys. Like Pat Bev was like yeah. we got him and I was like, okay, well that's like I've been screaming that we should get Pat Bev for like three years. I don't think he's good. I just think that he's, you know, he's just got that uh he's got that little it factor about him. Um but sure. we're another, you know, were you surprised that um you were able to bring back Slay and Bradbury. Like I thought there was almost no way, especially with the Hertz contract looming and you know, you just paid AJ Brown. You gotta bring the D line all back together. Like, were you surprised that they were able to bring back both of those guys? I was I was really shocked actually. I was fully saying goodbye to James Bradbury. We got him for a bit of a one year rental last year, and uh I did expect us to really make an emphasis for Slay. It got a little dicey in there. He was on he wanted to get paid more we ended up working something out for both of them and uh yeah i i was genuinely pretty surprised it's uh as you said at the top definitely one of our weaker areas uh especially at safety like the corners are if they can repeat what we did last year the best corner duo in the league but they're both they're both 30 you know I'm, i understand there's a bit of risk there but uh, playing behind our our d line uh having the chemistry together uh, it's really, really exciting and, and definitely a surprise. Yeah, and I'm looking at the uh, Bradbury contract, and it definitely feels like it is more of a one-year deal kind of – or more of a two-year deal kind of 
disguised as a longer term deal. Um, and I think, you know, especially with like Hertz money, now you're paying 20 ish percent of your salary cap to one player and all these other guys that they got to pay, you know, Devonte Smith's contract's going to be coming up here in the next year or two. They've got to make a lot of decisions here. Yeah. The safety group, that could be a bit of a trouble, but I mean, you weren't getting like insanely good safety play last year because Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was kind of playing like a hybrid of safety and slot corner to begin with. He was never playing like a true safety role anyway. Um, but yeah, like, again, we're really picking hairs here for a group that we have at third. Um, and it's it's been a theme of the Eagles for the past 10 years, I, I can remember. Like, outside of uh, an aging Malcolm Jenkins, it's been like, God, we need safeties. What are we doing? And we just we just don't value them in Philly, and we always get by with uh, what we can make do. And that's just, uh, as you said about those contracts coming up, I think it's just going to be a position that we continue to go cheap and, and scrape by with. Yeah, I think they're kind of – we touched on a little bit, I think they're going to take a similar position at linebacker. And that's what you do. Like when you're building a defense in the NFL, you pay the high value positions. They are taking care of their edge rushers like Hassan Reddick and drafting all these guys on the interior. Linebacker and safety, probably your two least valuable positions on defense. You know, you can maybe even say interior defensive line, but with the way that the market is moving now, it's kind of hard to say that. I mean, like we're four years, five years from now, Jalen Carter, if things all pan out for him, he's going to get paid a shit ton of money the way that the interior lineman market is moving. I mean, thank God you all got out from under Hargrave because I, I think there's absolutely no way you could have matched that San Francisco number. Um, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the coaching, which things finally draw back a little bit. Uh, we do have this Eagles coaching staff at 15th, which is by far their lowest ranking for any single uh, position group by 10 spots, actually, which is absolutely insane. Uh, and I do think that part of that is they do lose both coordinators when you put together as well-rounded of a season as Philadelphia did last season. You are, you know, a couple minutes away from a Super Bowl victory. You're going to have your coaching staff picked apart. And that happens. Both coordinators go take head coaching jobs. Uh, obviously Nick Sirianni is still here, put together a very good season in, it was year two for him last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So going into year three now, um, like you, I don't think anybody can confidently say like, he's the reason for this. I definitely think that there's not a lot of coaches that would have put together what they did last year, but they just had an absolute shit ton of talent. If we had a executive rankings or a front office rankings, Philly is coming in at number one in a tier of their own, or maybe on a slide of their own, uh, just because of the roster they've been able to put together. But Sirianni and this the rest of this group at 15, I will say real quickly before I uh, hand it over to you, I think Sean Desai is... You know, I think that's a very good hire, a very sneaky good hire. Not a lot of people are talking about, you know, what he did uh, with his previous teams and bringing him in here. Everybody's just kind of talking about how they lost the two coordinators. But uh, I'll just pass it over to you. What do you think about 15 and just overall for the coaching staff? Uh, I think it's a great hedge by you guys for, of course, I mean, this is a first time defensive play. No, not quite, but um, not a first time defensive play caller. My bad. My bad to Sean Desai. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he is, uh, he's taken over for us and a first time, uh, offensive uh, play caller in, in Brian Johnston. Um, I, yeah, I think it's a good hedge for, for just the unknown and, and having both of our coordinators gone. Um, I think in terms of, uh, the two that did leave Shane Steichen is going to be 
very sorely missed in Philly. Uh, I love the way he called games in games, having the counter punches, having the the little wrinkles here and there. Like whenever they finally got to expect our uh, our tush push, we hit him with a little pitch to the side. You know, right right at that perfect moment, he was uh, he was very very good in in the play caller role. However, there is continuity. Brian Johnson has been the quarterbacks coach for the past couple years, and um, he's actually known Jalen Hurts since he was four years old. So there is a lot of trust there and a lot of, uh, as I said, continuity in, in him having been in the building already. So I have trust that that is going to succeed. And uh, Sean Desai has, has done it in the league before, and uh, I believe the Bears and the, the Seahawks, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And um, he's coached under Vic Fangio as well. He's, he's a disciple of that system, which... Uh, um, we, we ran in the terms of the soft zone last year, and that's one of the complaints we all had about Jonathan Gannon. So he will not be as sorely missed, but um, as as he takes over such a talented defense and um, so I, I believe is going to be running a, a similar scheme as Gannon was, I have confidence that they will be able to uh, give us give us some good, good coordinators, but definitely definitely question marks. Yeah, and, and we we got to knock them somewhere, um, like <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I definitely think that the continuity, especially at offensive coordinator, like especially you know, I did not know that he had known him since he was four. Um, yeah. Like, there is a world where maybe the development that we've seen from Jalen Hurts was a little bit more Brian Johnson than people realize, and a little bit less of Shane Steichen. You know, that was one of the main reasons why like everybody was excited about Anthony Richardson going to Indianapolis was like, oh, well, this is the same guy that turned Jalen Hurts into the quarterback that he is. If he can do that with Anthony Richardson, you know, as explosive as an athlete as he is, uh, Anthony Richardson could really be special. But there's a world where maybe it was a little bit of Brian Johnson in there, too, and, um, you know, help Jalen Hurts continue to make those steps that we talked about when we were talking about him. And then Desai as well, you know, you are going to be like there's not continuity as far as him in the building, but there's continuity as far as a lot of these players are going to be running similar stuff. Like there's not like other than the rookies, there's not a whole lot of new guys coming in here, uh, like really impactful new guys. Um so it's just going to be kind of business as usual, just with a different guy at defensive coordinator. And then Sirianni, you know, the culture that he's built, I think, is a strong one. It helps when you're really good, and it helps when the roster's loaded. Um, but, like, I think Sirianni's a guy that people want to play for. Like, I don't, you know, regardless of what Chauncey Gardner-Johnson may have said about Philly, I, I don't know if it was more coaching staff leaning or, like, fans leaning, because I know Philly kind of gets a bad rap with the fans a lot. Um yeah. But, yeah, I, I just – I think he's making Philly, like, you know, people – like, I it was uh, – I think it was Miles Garrett the other day, maybe. Uh, it was some, like, really, really, really good player. It was like, you know, who knows? Maybe I – you know, who wouldn't want to play for Philadelphia? Who knows? Maybe i go play for Philadelphia someday, so. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> I would <laughs> be really unhappy if I was a team in the NFL East. <laughs> All yes. right, so let's, <laughs> let's move on to the schedule here where – you know, if there's a reason why you're a little pessimistic for Philly this year and maybe you're not, you don't have them at number one, it's because they do have the hardest strength of schedule in the NFL this year. And they're playing in the NFC East, which is pretty inarguably, in my opinion, the best division uh, in the NFC. You do have Dallas in there, who I'm personally pretty high on. The Giants, who put together a really good season last year. Washington, who might 
finally be taking steps forward, um, especially in a weaker NFC conference. It's hard to kind of look around and point to anybody else. Uh, then they also are playing the AFC East, which looks like the most loaded division we've had in the NFL in a pretty long time. Uh, the over-under is set at 11.5 wins, which is the same as Kansas City, the same as Cincinnati. Uh, I think it's just those two teams with an 11.5 win line. But you know, even with the first strength of schedule, do you think that they could be clear in that 11.5 win mark? I do. I think it's a really solid line. I think we uh, absolutely deserve to be tied for the, uh, the highest line in terms of over-under. But, yeah, looking at our schedule – we uh we come out of the bye and play Bills, Chiefs, Ooh. Niners back to back to back, and that is not. And you got to go to Dallas. That's right, and and yeah, Dallas sandwiches that run. I think mm-hmm. and we we have like a bye thrown in there or something, but mm-hmm. yeah, it is. Uh, we got to be like seven and seven and one, six and two heading into that stretch if we want to survive it and and reach that over under, but. Um, you know, we, we proved it last year. We won 14 games and had to have our backup start the last three games of the season. So, yeah, I think we can absolutely uh, reach we reach 12 games, 12 wins. Yeah, and what I'm like, I'm just looking at the schedule here. I think when shit hits the fan is after week five. You know, you get New England, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Washington, L.A. If yeah, they are this number one team that we are making them out to be, they are at least four and one going through that stretch you know maybe new england shocks them week one in foxborough maybe minnesota gets hot um obviously that didn't happen last year and i'm pretty sure in week two uh still yes <laughs> um but after that jets dolphins then you get washington you get a break there uh then dallas then the bye and then like you said that kc buffalo san francisco got to go to dallas got to go to seattle and then you get giants cardinals giants to finish out the year it's rough <laughs> like that's why I'm saying I think they are going to need to be at least four and one heading into uh, week six uh, against the Jets to feel confident about them getting to 12 wins because there's a lot of really tough games in that schedule. Uh, so official prediction from you is over. I think I'm going to go over as well. Um, 11 and a half does feel low for a team that we just talked about with top five position groups all throughout the roster. Like, and I don't, yeah. I don't know if they get the 14 again. I think they could definitely be the one seed. Shit, maybe they might get the 14 now I'm thinking about it because as high as I am on Dallas, I don't know if Dallas gets that one seed. Uh, I San Francisco quarterback situation scares me, and that's it in the NFC. Like, that, nothing else really worries me. So this team looks like they might be headed for another one seed and you know, maybe even another NFC uh, trophy there. But let's wrap it up. Uh, With the rankings recap, obviously we have the Eagles coming in at one. We have their offense at third. We have their defense at first. I just, I can't imagine being in your position and just hearing somebody just talk about my team. It's got to be fantastic. Uh, And then we do have the championship window as open. This was kind of a tough one. I put three to four years left because I trust Howie Roseman and I trust this team to just, especially in a weaker NFC for at least the foreseeable future, to put together a good enough roster to compete for a championship. Um, do you think three to four years is about right? I know it's kind of hard to calculate, but. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Um, you know, our, our, our young core that we have, um, you know, I know we have some uh, some vets that we talked about earlier that are 
on their last legs on their way out for sure. But the, the young core, Jalen is, I think, 25. You know, A.J. Brown, 26. Devontae Smith is my age, 23. Um, it's just... We yeah we we have to have that that sort of you know very far into the future we're going to be a good team this is this was not a flash in the pan from last year we are ready to repeat we are ready to improve and and I mean that's that's all anybody's been talking about around training camp is how do we get back to where we were last year and how do we actually crest that mountain how do we actually survive that last minute onslaught from Patrick Mahomes um, so. Yeah, I, I think we're more so focused on this year. So maybe the four years is a bit of a stretch, but um, definitely has to be open for more than just this year. Yeah, and honestly, like I know that Casey wins the Super Bowl, and that's like usually when you win the Super Bowl, you've you're you know you're getting everybody's best shot. But dude, I really think people like this is everybody knows that this is one of the two best teams, if not the best team, in the NFL. Everybody's giving Philly their best shot. Like everybody's headhunting Philly yeah. right now, and I, that's not per se what will worry me. But like you're getting everybody's best shot every week, and like that's the kind of stuff. And especially when this roster starts getting picked apart. I mean, we didn't see it as bad this year, but they do lose, you know, Asaya Malu, uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. There's going to be pieces continuously being picked off this team uh, just as deep as they are. And because of how deep they are, Philly's not going to feel the need to buck up the amount of money that uh, they're going to be getting paid. Like uh, Javon Hargrave, I don't know how I missed that, is a perfect example of that. You know, when you look at the depth on this team, they can't, you know, um, justify paying him that much money. Uh, especially when you can go get a guy like Jalen Carter, who could very well be just as good as Javon Hargrave uh, in the very near future and pay him a lot less. Um, third for the offense. Do you think that's fair, higher, lower? What are you thinking? Um, Yeah, yeah. Third for the offense, definitely. Uh, we have inarguably, I think, the best run game in the league. And um, I just want to touch on one point you mentioned earlier about uh, other teams giving us their best shot every year. I think that's where our leadership really shines through and that we're, we're going to embrace that. We're going to look at that as an honor to have everyone looking up at us as that best team, you know, Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, our, our team leadership, all those veterans that won a Super Bowl in 2017 and experienced that loss last year have um, really got our head screwed on the right way. And we can, um, yeah, like I said, embrace that and power through that. But offense as third, yeah, I think uh, if you have him outside your top five, you need to stop smoking so much. And uh, yeah, agreed. Let me let me let me double check here to make sure I don't have them outside of my top five, so I can <laughs> fall into that window. Okay, yeah, I had them at third. So just a little recap here: I had them at third, Kane had them at first, Mitchell had them at fourth, and Tyler had them at second. So there's nobody smoking too much. We do have the defense at first, which was a consensus. Every single person had this uh, Eagles defense at first. I'd imagine you feel the same way. Yeah, especially yes, absolutely. Yeah, with the I, way. I, and again, there's uh, we're splitting hairs up at the top, but yeah, we, you can't you can't argue with what we did last year. Like most sacks by far in the league. Uh, very very turnover um, happy defense. We we produce the ball a lot, and um, yeah, has to again. If they're outside your top five, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> Yeah. And like the turn, like, uh, again, splitting hairs, but the turnover thing that changes from year to year. Like there are years where you just, you have to have a lot of picks fall your way. Some years you don't. 
but there's a lot of teams that have, or not a lot of teams, but there are teams that have a top five pass rush or a top five group of linebackers or a top five pair of corners. There's not any team that has the number one front seven and a top three secondary. Like uh, looking through, I don't think any, like the Jets had the number one secondary. Their front seven was just out, just inside the top 10. Uh, the other front sevens towards the top, Dallas and San Francisco. Dallas's was just inside the top 10. San Francisco's was uh, towards the middle. Um, it's just, it's really hard to argue with the talent that they've accumulated here. And this is, this is going to be the toughest team to beat really in the NFL. Because uh, outside of, like if you take quarterback off the roster, which Jalen Hurts is an MVP level quarterback. We have him at fifth. Like one of the things is like if you take Patrick Mahomes off the Chiefs, they're a middle of the pack team. If you take Jalen Hurts off the Eagles, if the quarterback position just doesn't exist, the Eagles are probably still one of the two or three best teams in football. That's what makes this so insane, and it's going to be a really insane run here uh, for Philly. It was kind of funny for me because you know the Phillies end up falling short in the World Series, the Eagles end up falling short in the Super Bowl, and I really thought the Sixers were going to finish the job, and uh, that was not the case, but not even close uh philadelphia just producing a lot of heartbreak and i like i get the philly fan uh upsetness now like i know that we're high on them but it just i don't know like the sixers i feel the pain that happens with the eagles fans and how it just feels like the carson wentz thing like uh like i get it yeah but uh, we are going to get out of here. Uh, thank you, Trevor, for coming on, putting some insight on course, for Philly. Uh, and thank all of you guys. You know, this is it. I don't really know how to wrap this up. I didn't really have anything planned. Um, but we're going to uh, keep the uh, content rolling throughout the course of the season. Um, Trevor, we hope to have you on again. Uh, thank you guys for watching. But we are out of here. Peace.